It's one covenant of grace, different administrations, one mediator throughout all generations. The same efficacy in every dispensation, crystal-centric motifs and recapitulation. What I'm saying is Christ was in the garden with Adam. He showed them penal substitution, clothed them, atoned for them, and drove them out from the garden temple. But Adam was a Christian with the full gospel info, like Enoch preached Christ coming with thousands tenfold. On every page of scripture is Christ described in bold. You didn't know, my dude, you a slow learner. But draw near, God is here with the sojourner That old hermeneutic you're using is useless If it ain't crystal-centric, it ain't Frank and Murrah and a slow burner But their minds were blinded, for until the day The same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Covenant Because the veil is taken away in Christ How are you guys doing? This is Reforming Worship Podcast I'm Pastor Caleb, and... Hey, I'm Deacon Andrew Smitty <laughs> How are you, Andrew? Well, how are you, Pastor? I'm doing very well. Um, we're here talking about uh, something that we just kind of slipped in at the last second uh, in our last installment of the Reforming Worship podcast, and that is uh, the statement that I just kind of ran over, that um, the Old Covenant is not salvific, right? And if you're new to the Christian faith, that means no one was saved in the old covenant. Now, hold on. <laughs> don't 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 turn us off just yet. Well, I'm not saying nobody was saved before the incarnation. I'm saying the old covenant wasn't salvific. That is the same covenant of grace that saves Christians today was the same covenant Adam had, right? So Moses, Abraham, all those guys, those guys were Christians. The blood of bulls and goats that sacrifice, what does Hebrews say? It could never take away sin. Not sometimes or in different dispensations or I've even heard some people say this is my least favorite. This one makes my this one makes my skin crawl. I've heard people say, um, the blood of bulls and goats could cover the sin, but then the blood of Jesus actually took it away. Mm. Um, and it's like, oh wow, that's uh, that's heretical. Um, <laughs> that's just one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. But let's see if we can reason through this a little bit. But real quick, what's what was um, Andrew's the one rapping in the intro? By the way, he did a fantastic job. But that um, the Christocentric hermeneutic you heard him mention. What's that all about? Well. John five thirty eight and 39. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. This is Jesus speaking. Verse 39. You search the scriptures. He's speaking to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. me. All the scriptures are about Jesus. Absolutely all the scriptures. Now, we've read Luke 24, 44, and 45, and the goal is to get everybody on this podcast. Anybody who listens to this podcast, if you listen to this, sh- this show once, you should hear this passage at least three times. Okay, mild exaggeration. But uh, Luke 24, 44, and 45, this is Jesus teaching the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's actually verse 27. Uh, 44 and 45 is when he preaches the same thing to his disciples when he appears to them, which is also important. So what is the old covenant? And just a dead giveaway, Moses wasn't in it, right? (laughs) I've heard people, um, we even heard uh, in back in season one um, when we, when we didn't realize that podcasts are best kept to about 20 minutes. Um, But back in season one, um, we were learning. We were learning. Um, We uh, had that interview with Pastor Bruce, which was awesome. And I'm actually really excited to do that again. But that was our friendly little disagreement. Maybe we can link to that 
specific episode in the show notes or something. We had a little friendly disagreement about, wait a minute, was the old covenant a covenant with God's people for salvation, and was Moses the mediator of it? And we want to take a very firm, no, Moses bore the reproach of Christ, Hebrews 11 says. Christ was always the mediator. Um, and, and there's a sense, I'm not trying to slander my dear friend, Pastor Bruce. I mean, he he knows that Christ was always the mediator. But is there a sense where the covenant of grace can be broken down into old and new? want to be really careful of that. Again, 2 Corinthians three fourteen through 18. But their minds were blinded, right? For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the old covenant because the veil is taken away in Christ. Right now, just quick context. Second uh, Corinthians three fourteen through eighteen. He's talking about if they would have known who Jesus was, they would have never crucified the Lord of Glory, which answers the question of Psalm twenty four: Who is this King of Glory? Right? It's 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 Jesus. So their minds were blinded. All right, the true church. Right, the the invisible church, the the truly regenerate among the covenant people of God, were their minds blinded? No, the people who were crucifying Christ, their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the old covenant, because the veil is taken away in Christ. The old covenant is is for curses, not for blessing. The old covenant is you can have the scriptures, you can read the scriptures, you can think you understand the scriptures, they still don't do you any good because the veil has to be taken away in Christ. And um, so many times we see that we see that all the time in in pulpits today is that people they're teaching as as though Christ had this great unveiling that's that's almost ushering in a new gospel age or a new gospel understanding. And brethren, this this ought not be in any shape, way, or form. Um, so we are uh, so in defining what the old covenant is, that veil is taken away in Christ. Now look at verse 15. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So by definition, by definition, the old covenant can only exist when someone has not turned to the Lord. I mean, can, can you see that in the text? Open up a Bible if you're, if you're having trouble following along, um, not if you're driving. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So this is a veil that God takes away when people turn to him, right? This isn't a former dispensation of how God was treating his people. God has never withheld the gospel from his people in any generation. So a little clarification. Um, a lot of times I have have plenty of people who, they'll even affirm the Westminster Confession of Faith that actually comes right out and says, there are therefore not two covenants of grace differing in substance, but one and the same under various dispensations. And then they'll start preaching through Exodus, and they will lose their covenantal confessional minds and talk about old covenant then and new covenant now. And it's um, they don't appreciate it when you, when, you, when you call them dispensationals in denial. But the, the law always served as a schoolmaster to point to Christ. Always. That was the intention. So I think um, on Sinai, you even see that people bringing themselves immediately under the curse of the law. Right. By their response being, 
uh, all that you have spoken this day, we will do, you know, yeah. <laughs> they take the curse upon themselves uh, immediately. And that's a, that's a shame. <laughs> that's very true. And I, I think, I think the, one of the reasons that the Bible in our day and age is so obscured from most of Christianity, most of Christendom today, we believe it's a covenantal curse of God that when we've tried to separate Old Covenant from New Covenant, when we've tried to separate um, the Old Testament from the New Testament, we're seeing them as, um, we're seeing the Old Covenant as salvific, but we're not taking the Old Testament with the same seriousness that we're taking the New. I think this same veil lays, lies over the hearts of most ministers warming pulpits today. And I think it's a covenantal curse of God. In verse 18, we, uh, but we all with unveiled faces, Beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord. I'm sorry, what was that? Well, geez, Andrew, I don't know if wearing a mask in worship is a lie about the gospel. That seems a little bit. That seems a little <laughs> bit strict. Well, if you say so, <laughs> I, I'm throwing my brother under the bus. No, wearing a mask in worship is a lie about the gospel. You should rather die of COVID than wear a mask in worship because we, you're either um, you're either telling the truth about the gospel when you worship God, or you're lying about it. And we worship God with unveiled faces. I think it's pretty interesting that the world. They said, okay, you can meet for worship. Just wear a mask, don't sing too loud, and don't take the Lord's Supper. And we we gathered together to do that as though we're worshiping God. It's I'm not sure who did the Jedi mind trick on us, but it, it's an amazing situation. Just um, with our last four minutes, let's talk about the law-gospel distinction. And I guess this is going to be our clarifying episode. Um, this, will, this will get enough people angry with us. We'll okay. see what's going on. Um, so let's talk about law gospel distinction. So first of all, uh, we want to recognize that many true Christians that we admire and love very much have had a law gospel distinction. Um, the people who have the, have it the loudest are our conservative Lutheran brethren. Mm-hmm. I, I say conservative because, oh man, there were, I, I saw this Lutheran lady one time. She, was, she had a preacher collar on, uh, but it was rainbow colored. Oh boy! Yeah, and she was talking about how the uh, how the Athanasius Creed um, passion of righteousness there. Huh? Yeah, and so no, she doesn't count. And we're talking about our conservative Lutheran friends, um, uh, but they'll have a they'll have it written into their liturgy a difference, a distinction between law and gospel. Um, so we're, we're, I'm going to say it the most. Uh, I'm going to say it just a really offensive way and then i'm going to throw it at you okay so here's the here's here's the way and when i say offensive i don't mean to be rude for the sake of being rude but let's cut through all the crud and let's not pretend we're agreeing we're gonna try to be less offensive (laughs) (laughs) so for clarity and honesty's sake let's go right up the center and punch the false teaching in the nose the law is grace if you're in christ if you're not in christ the law is wrath if you are in christ the law is grace if you're in christ um, so, I, I mean, this is the, uh, I got this from Douglas Wilson, but it makes so much sense to me. The prelude to the Ten Commandments. Right? You ask anybody who has a law gospel distinction. The gospel's over here and the law's over there. Like the law's the bad news and the gospel's the good news. Mm. Kind of playing good God, bad God from Sinai. I don't know. But anyway, ask anybody who has that law gospel distinction and ask them which one are the Ten Commandments, law or gospel. And they'll say law every single time. And so and then read yeah. read them verse 1 from Exodus 20. I am the Lord God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Is that law or is that grace? <laughs> right? Yeah. If that's not grace, I don't know what is. Anyway, I want to throw it at you now. What yeah, do you, what so, do you uh, well, the, 
the law of God is good and wise and righteous and all of those things, right? And uh, Christ is the righteous man, right? So my being in him who kept the law perfectly, right, um, is my keeping of the law. So therefore, I'm now situated with Christ, seated above uh, the law on the mercy seat, right? And it's my pleasure to uh, follow in the ways of my Lord, right? And to die the death of Christ and to die in him. Um, so, And if you've done that to any extent at all for one millisecond, it was only because of his grace. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> right. Amen. And that's why we insist that, that sanctification is also a monergistic work of God. It's a, God is working in and through us both to will and to do his good pleasure. You know, that's re- isn't it interesting? It's not called the law system. It's called the sacrificial system because the law is supposed to drive you to the sacrifice. Right. Right. Yeah. The law is supposed to drive you to the sacrifice. So in the law we see Christ and we rejoice in his obedience and his obedience is ours by inheritance and imputation being our true and greater Adam. And with that, we'll let you type out your nasty emails. <laughs>